What's going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 10th, 2023. It's episode 164 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 163 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Make sure the bell icon's lit up if you're over on YouTube. That way you get notified when new content has been uploaded to the In The Money Media channel, whether it's this show, whether it's JK Plus One, whether it's the Players Pod, whatever it may be, whether it's Horse Players Happy Hour, you name it. Make sure you're checking that over on YouTube. But again, most of you listen to this thing anyway. So your podcast feeds, you should be subscribed. You know the drill by now. Uh, This week's show, apologize, it's a few days past sort of the normal time frame. I will probably have another show here in just a few days as I head back down to the Jersey Shore on Thursday afternoon. But I wanted to wait and see what the first two days at Saratoga looked like. And they hadn't drawn as of Thursday, but they have done so now. So this show, reminiscent a little bit to last year, the timing is slightly different. I believe Saratoga is a week earlier uh, because this show was a combination of stakes action from opening day and the second day of the meeting and a look ahead to the Open Championship. So it was one of the, the better shows last year in terms of return on investment because Cam Smith won the Open at 31. City Man won the Forbidden Apple at, I think, like 9, 10, 11 to 1, something like that. So that was nice. There was actually a kid that came up to Fornital and I at Keeneland. He was like, oh, big fan, like to listen to the shows. We're like, no, thank you, thank you. And and he, he said, the the pod with the winner of the British Open and City Man. And he's like, the case for City Man didn't make any sense, but but it worked out. And I was like, well, then why the fuck did you bet the horse? But thank you for listening. I appreciate that. I'm sure he's listening to this. So thank you for listening. Clearly it had to make some sense if the horse won, but neither here nor there. Uh, let's try and do it again this year. It's not... The Forbidden Apple, opening day. I haven't looked at morning lines yet. I handicapped opening day a little bit earlier. Now I see the morning lines are in. So I'm going to go over three races on opening day. And I've yet to look at Friday. But I'll look at Friday and I'll let you know however many races there are there. We're going to look at the late pick three on Thursday. Including race number nine, which is the Skylerville for the two-year-old Phillies. But I'm, I'm going to try to limit... The, the numbers continue to back up what I had said and what my numbers had been at that point from the show a number of weeks ago with the selections and the picks and the things that I've given out in public that the turf routes are just, I'm, I'm so much better at those than anything else. So I'm not going to keep bashing my head against the wall. If we have to look at some other things or there's big stakes races, that's one thing. I'm giving you turf routes. So race eight and race 10 are turf routes. And then I'm going to look at Friday's card and I'm going to specifically key in on turf routes. And hopefully there's something there. The weather Thursday and Friday up at Saratoga, it looks like there's a fair bit of thunder and rain in the forecast, but we know how that can kind of come and go. So, you know, do your own due diligence. If these things end up on yielding turf or they wash them off entirely, you know, use your noodle. You guys are all smart folks that listen to this. So I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I don't mean that in a, a negative way. It, may- it sounds pompous for me saying, oh, you all must be smart if you listen to this. No, I just, I- I'd like to think that most people out there have a 
you know, you can use your noodle a little bit. You guys use your own judgment. So the late pick three on Saratoga's opening day, races eight, nine, and 10, which include the opening day feature, the traditional opening day feature, the Skylerville for the two-year-old Phillies. Uh, race number eight on opening day at Saratoga. It's a starter allowance going a mile on the inner turf course. Race number eight uh, for three-year-olds and up, which have started for a claiming price of $50,000 or less, and which have never won a race other than maiden or claiming. This is kind of, I feel like for, for these shows, I'm not going to go through doing the soup to nuts. I may end up doing that in time. It really, really boils down to what you guys want to listen to. I had thought about actually handicapping the races in, not in real time, but basically recording my thoughts as I went through the race. But I realized that could be an extremely dense listening experience probably better for visuals but i'm open to the idea of really doing a first pass while i'm simultaneously recording a pod if that is something folks would be interested in um, i've done things in that nature in the past kind of showing my methodology but things change you always need to be adapting and if you're in a rut it's it helps to kind of shake things up a little bit if it's something people would be interested in we can certainly do that in the future but for these races i'm not going to give you every horse maybe i'll go a little bit deeper in the schuylerville but i'm just going to give you top picks and kind of why i like these horses and these two turf races so we start here with race eight that starter allowance i'm going to go to the five in here that's kingfish stevens now i haven't seen a morning line yet it's posted now kingfish stevens is listed at odds of five to one on the morning line for the carlos martin barn now this is interesting because Hang on, we're going to have to blow this up now. Maybe there is a change, maybe there's not a change. So when I had my past performances, <laughs> Kingfish Stevens was listed, and this won't change my opinion, but Kingfish Stevens was listed as blinkers on. And currently I'm looking at Formulator at 442 on Monday afternoon. He is not listed as blinkers on for the first time, but the bottom... In the Carlos Martin stats, they have first blinker, blinkers on. So the racing form's got to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, not my problem. Hopefully, they'll get that straightened out. Whether he has blinkers on Thursday or not, Kingfish Stevens is a horse I thought was really good when he almost won at this level at Aqueduct back in April. He made a big move. The pace was very hot when he made his biggest move, and he just couldn't quite hold off the eventual winner, sell something. But the third-place finisher came back and won next out. And I was so interested that I used this horse in the James W. Murphy on Preakness Weekend at Pimlico. And granted, he didn't do a ton of running, but he ran against some pretty good horses. Nagarok came back and earned a 90 in the Manila. Maybe that was a mildly disappointing performance from him last Friday at Belmont Park. But the third-place finisher, circling the drain, came back and won next out, improving his buyer by six points in the process to an 89. And he was only a length and change ahead of Kingfish Stevens. Now, Kingfish Stevens has come back and run also. And that 72 in the starter allowance at Belmont Park really doesn't look very good on paper. Looks like he regressed, as a matter of fact. But I think it was a tremendous race when you consider not only did he make a, a decent enough move into the hottest part of the race, but more importantly, if you watch the tape that day of that race and that trip, down the backside, I have him listed as the seven path. Around the far turn, I have him listed as the four path. And turning for home, he's in the nine path. 
So he gave up an immense amount of ground. There, I haven't seen Thorograph. It's not out yet. I'm going to assume he has a massive number for that most recent run. He's 5-1 to one on the morning line. I have not gone through and priced out the race, but that seems about right. Maybe we can get up to 6. But this is a very competitive group. You've got horses that are very evenly matched in terms of speed figures. I'm going to go with the 5 in here. Kingfish Stevens in race number 8 at Saratoga on opening day. The grade 3 Schuylerville. The two-year-old girls going six furlongs, the traditional opening day featured event. I think it's a pretty good race. I don't know if we have Breeders' Cup hopefuls down the road. It's way too early to be thinking like that. But at the same time, from a talent standpoint, these girls are probably as good as it gets. Although I will say, I was on FanDuel TV the other day for a couple of, I believe they were Phillies, that debuted at Ellis. It was Brad Cox and Brian Lynch, and they both ran very well, and the figs came back fast. I want to say it was like 89 and 85, and I had said right after the race that I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw both of them, including the maiden, show up in a stakes race next out. We'll find out if that ends up being the case. Uh, Grade 3 event, three-quarters of a mile on the main track. Carmelina on the rail has got big speed, looked really good. It was an, an impressive performance when she broke her maiden. Um, she destroyed that field. She was a little, little bit slow out of the gate. I mean, a, a hair slow out of the gate. But she was able to get up there, establish that position, and just put the boots to a field. The 70 buyer makes her a major player. I would always caution putting too much stock into a debut fig because these these horses can move up so substantially in their second start. But she looked good. Um, Saratoga Secret. I wanted to like a little more than I did after watching the tape. I thought it was a workmanlike effort. She was a little bit green, I thought, when she made the front. I, I think she's definitely one that can improve. You take a look at the pedigree, you would think that longer is only going to be better for her. So even if she doesn't win this race, I'd love to see what she does at two turns. She's by Arrogate out of a Fort Larned mare. Closing act, you know, the figs are light, but she took a big step forward, I thought, in her second start when she had a little bit more pace to run at. She should have some decent pace here. Wine on tap. I thought it was just a fine effort. She went off and won by three. She can absolutely come back and win this race. I just, I don't know. I figure she's probably going to get bet in here. If she wins, so be it. Uh, let's see. The far outside horse, that was very interesting, in Sugar Treat from Mark Cassie. The trip was a trip that doesn't usually work for a first-time starter, for an inexperienced horse. Uh, had to steady going into the far turn, angled out probably three, four path, and then was able to rally. And I know the pace was hot that day, but to get up in the shadow of the wire and defeat a horse in escape room, who I was on FanDuel TV the other day, when she came back and broke her maiden in her next start, and she improved her buyer by eight points to a 72, it, it sounds pretty good for, for Sugar Treat. I guess the question is the dirt. I think there's a little bit of pedigree in there to suggest dirt won't be an issue, but uh, she ticks a lot of boxes. She's proven she'll pass horses. She's proven that she can overcome a little bit of trouble. Uh, and she's run fast. Again, take it with a grain of salt as far as the numbers go. I chose to go with the number nine, Dancing Diana, in here. Uh, Dancing Diana debuted at Delaware on June the 17th. I thought she was awesome that day. Extremely professional. Showed big speed. She put away Ursuline who was the other choice in here and who was the other speed, buried her, and another horse kind of rallied into second. But visually, Dancing Diana 
was just finding her best stride. She put four lengths on the field in that final stretch of run. I thought it was a very encouraging debut. I know it was only a four-horse field. I know you're going to be taking on other horses. There's going to be other speed in here. But I'd like to think, and I'm going to look at the morning line for the first time now, six to one. Uh, Well, let me go through this. I mean, David Aragona's line is usually as good as it gets, so I'm not going to, you know, it seems unlikely that it's going to be something crazy in here. The the Pletcher is five to two. The Lucas is four to one. The Butcher Reed's horse on the inside is five. Cassie Horse is six. Dancing Diana is six. I think Dancing Diana floats. I could I could see Dancing Diana landing in that eight to eight to one range. Probably not ten. I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I could see eight to one. I think we I think we might get a little bit of a float from that six to one line. Dancing Diana. I thought she was really good. Really, really good in the debut and I mean, even six is probably within reason. I do think a fairer number would probably be eight and north of that. But I, I think Dancing Diane is good. I thought I thought her debut was strong, and I like her in the Schuylerville. And then in race number 10, hello, notification. Uh, race number 10, these are New York bred fillies and mares going a mile and 16th on the melon, the outer turf course, made in $40,000 claimers. Hopefully it doesn't get washed off the turf. I am going to go with the number 10. Here we go again. Who is making her first start as a three-year-old off a lengthy layoff for the Robert Falcone Jr. Barn. You know, her her two-year-old finale at Aqueduct, yeah, she was chasing a slow pace, and she ended up getting run down. That's not even really the, the thing that I'm most interested in. You look at the rest of this field, specifically the seven, Arisema, Arisema, she gets class relief. I get that. But I expect her to run a 64 to a 65 buyer, somewhere in that range. The field she just ran against, they've all come back, and they've effectively run identical races on on figs. And she has run this race basically her entire career. In eight lifetime starts, she, she lives between 60 and 65. So I don't see any reason why... Thursday will be anything different. With that thought, here we go again, earning a 54 as a two-year-old against open 75 maiden claimers, now drops to the lowest level of her career, 40 New York bred claimers. She's got tactical speed. She can be close. She should get the jump on some of these other horses. And now she goes out for a barn that does very well the first time they get their hands on an animal. I like the 10. Here we go again. And what are we looking at for a price? Hopefully nothing too short. Four. Hmm. Might be a little light for my liking. I think it's probably accurate, but might... Uh, you know, I, I've got I'd have to go through and actually price it out entirely but four to one five to one although i look at the rest of this field kind of kind of rough so maybe yeah maybe maybe seven to two four to one something like that i was interested in stone of destiny i thought stone of destiny had a pretty brutal trip 
in the career debut. I'm just unsure why there has not been any published work since then. I know that it was only a few weeks ago, but uh, the class relief early on, legitimate, that short comment, bump between squeezed start, that is entirely accurate. And she also, she was in behind horses rounding the far turn. I think Stone of Destiny ran better than that seventh place finish would suggest she gets class relief now too. She's nine to two on the line, but I'm going to go with the 10 in here. Here we go again in the 10th on the nightcap or in the nightcap. I should say on opening day at the spa, we moved to Friday. I know there are three turf routes on the card, the nightcap. I, I just didn't have any real opinion. So we're going to punt on that. Let's start with race. Number three optional claimer, non-winners of one other than a mile on 16th on the inner turf course. Uh, one of my, this horse is going to be my biggest bet of the BCBC last year, which I, I think I said it a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, I can no longer play in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge because of my job. But G. Laurie, I was going to push heavily on her on Friday in the Juvenile Phillies turf. She scratches, kind of throws some things up in the air for me. I got to scramble a little bit. Not an excuse, but this kind of, you know, reiterating how much I liked her. Well, she returns. She's going to make her three-year-old debut here after a disaster in the Blue Norther that was back at Santa Anita right before New Year's Eve. Lasix on. I'm going to assume she's still going to wear the blinkers. I just, I don't know how she's going to get bet, so I'm not going to pick her in a spot like this because she could very easily take too much money here. I'm inclined to look at the three beautiful navigator and say, you've got five races in her career. Two of them came with Lasix, three of them came without. The tough thing is the two with Lasix both came at the fairgrounds over that turf course that some horses loved and some horses hated. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't the turf course, it was the Lasix. I probably shouldn't even be saying benefit of the doubt. Just I'm going to take the stance that it was the Lasix that moved her up, not the fairgrounds turf. She gets Lasix on again here off a bit of a layoff. Haven't seen her since the Appalachian. That came at Keeneland without Lasix. By the way, the three times she's run without Lasix, she has dropped anchor. I'm not saying that she's bled, but with Lasix on, she fires. With it off, she's almost eased. I don't know what kind of price you're going to get on here. I would I would hope it's at least there's a chat there's a couple chat I would say at least ten. That's my initial feel. There's no morning line released yet for her, or for this race I should say. I'm going to go with the three beautiful navigator in the third on Friday, and I would I'm going to hope for double digits. I'm going to hope for ten to one, um, and and just hope that it is Lasix that gets her on track and not the fairgrounds turf horse. Like I said, the nightcap, we're going to punt on. Race number six, though, mile and an eighth on the inner turf. It's a nice allowance race. You've got a bunch of horses that kind of live in that mid-80 buyer range. I am of the opinion it's a short field. There's only eight horses that are scheduled to go. Not only should Blue Devil, the two, be on the lead, Blue Devil has to be on the lead because I'm fairly confident he would not pass a parked car. But having said that, I think he's very talented. Ignore 
all of the synthetic races, and I understand his only win to date has come on synthetic. But his turf races, they've, for the most part, all been good. Ignore the Kentucky Downs race prior to the layoff, and also because it's Kentucky Downs. But draw a line through that. In his turf route career, you've got the Churchill Downs race on June the 5th, a solid third. Yes, he made up some ground, but primarily his running style has been forwardly placed. Go to the Ellis Park race off that little bit of a layoff last year as a three-year-old. He's forward chasing fast fractions. Can't get the job done. Okay, no big deal. Then you've got all those synthetic races over the winter at Turfway. He comes back at Churchill Downs. He's on the lead. He just gets run down late at 18 to 1. And then in the run at Ellis on June 24th, when you watch the way the race was run and then you look at the chart, it all kind of backs things up that the pace came apart. And for him to be up there to put away the other speed, I think is a positive. When you watch the tape, though, it looks like policy option, the horse that wins that day, is going to go off and win by three. And when Blue Devil sees him come to his side and puts a half length on him, he digs back in. He rallies gamely. So I think he's the kind of horse that just, he kind of waits on runners. And what's the only way that you can avoid having a horse wait on others? Go to the front. Go right to the front. If you get run down, so be it. But looking at the rest of the field, who's supposed to go with him early? Uh, Oglethorpe, I don't think is a... I, I don't think he's got that kind of gas early on. Fighter in the win? I guess, but on the turn back, I, I don't know that they want to be up there pushing the pace. Although his only two wins to date have come where he's cut out all the fractions. Those both came on synthetic over in Europe. I, I just think if you're Ricardo Santana and you're Jeff Hiles and you're shipping up to Saratoga with this horse and you look at his PPs and you look at the race, I'm, I'm, I would so much rather you, even if it is to your detriment and to your demise and you end up losing, Go, go, go. Hit the gas. Drop the hammer out of the gate. Make the front. And then see what happens. Especially in New York, where these races, for whatever reason, are run like the harness races. Opening quarters in 26 seconds. Like, What are we doing? Go right to the front. And if Blue Devil does that, I think Blue Devil can win this race. He's talented enough. He just wouldn't pass anyone, and I'm hopeful he's not going to need to. So I'm going to go with the two in race number six on Friday. So to recap, race three on Friday, the three, Beautiful Navigator. Race six, the two, Blue Devil. And we're going to pass on the nightcap. And that's going to do it for this show. Now, I am I'm planning on having another show come right back, probably recorded on Thursday, either at the airport Maybe on my way down. Maybe it's a look ahead to the weekend at Monmouth Park. Uh, this is sort of the calm before the storm getting ready for next weekend with the Haskell. I will be there again. That'll be my last weekend down on the Jersey Shore. That Haskell um, looking like it could be an absolute war. Looking like it has potential. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But has potential to be the best 
race of the year period, regardless of age, if they all show up, and I know that's a big if, but it sounds like there's a fair chance that the Derby winner shows up, Mage. Not a guarantee, but a fair chance. It sounds like there's a chance Forte shows up. Apparently he's working well enough that Pletcher is kicking the tires on running in there as opposed to the Jim Dandy. I'd kind of be surprised if you saw the Belmont winner. But you've got the Long Branch winner and Salute the Stars for Brad Cox, who it sounds like he's going to go. And all along, and, and maybe something will change, but I had read a story, I believe it was in the Asbury Park Press, which is kind of a local paper down there in the area. Asbury Park, by the way, great spot. Went down there a few years ago with my wife. Um, all this time in my head, we watched that Woody Stevens and I go, Arabian Lion. You know, if you want to try to find out, can you get two turns, mile and an eighth against proper grade one caliber runners? I mean, the Haskell, that's got to be the spot, right? So I just kind of penciled him in. And then I see that Baffert is sending a horse with the first part of the name Arabian, but it looks like it's Arabian Knight horse that I threw out a couple weeks ago on FanDuel TV as he might actually be the best three-year-old period. And if Baffert's going to bring him back in that spot, a race that he is the king of, regardless of the other runners that might show up there. But if they all go, oh man, what a race. So this weekend, a little bit of the calm before the storm. We get ready for next weekend. I'm, we'll, we'll see how the, the races shape up at Monmouth for... Uh, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Maybe I'll do a pod looking ahead to those races coming up toward the end of the week. But wanted to get this out there, looking ahead to opening weekend. Let's say opening Thursday and Friday anyway. Up north at the spa. Hopefully the weather holds off. And hopefully we've got fast and firm conditions to kick things off at Saratoga. That's going to do it for this week's show, or for this show, I should say. Uh, however you listen, thank you for doing so. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar, Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 163 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, comments beneath the video player. Uh, you name it. DMs on Twitter. Whatever is going through your head, let me know. Until next time. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 164 of the Matt Bernier Show.